Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pendant Shakespeare, as you like it, Act 4. I'm your director, Swen Halverson, and I'm joined by the dramaturge, the esteemed Landon Bell, and the assistant director, George Linfield, and all of the wonderful adjectives. <laughs> Esteemed. I'm going to have to put that in my autobiography. <laughs> That's a Twitter profile line right there. <laughs> Starting off, we have scene one, which I directed. Yes. We have uh, Christopher Gilstrap here as Jacques. And we also have Alexander Elroy as Rosalind. Extracted from many objects, and indeed the sundry's contemplation of my travels. Jacques and Touchstone get all the jaunty music. <laughs> I'd say I really like I really like the opening uh, opening piece of music. You have great reason to be sad. I fear you have sold your own lands to see other men's. Then to have seen much and to have Speaking of the music, all the music in this was done by uh, Stephen O'Brien of Stephen-O'Brien.net <laughs> and the actors. <laughs> Stephen, if you're listening, you're awesome. <laughs> Then Gobby with you, and you talk in blank. And Will Shipley as Orlando just joined us. Yes. In the scene, not with us, but. That'd be great. We should we should invite more actors on to do these commentaries. That would be fun. We've talked about doing it before. And you serve me such another trick. Never come in my sight more. It'd be, um, my fair Rosalind, I come it'd be interesting to try and do it for like Act 5. To get an alternative perspective. Because we kind of... We, 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 we just get sent the lines. We don't really talk that much about how they're trying to play the characters. Occasionally we'll ask for a retake, but... Never yeah. You be so tardy. Come no more in my sight. Of course, Landon gives them all the notes beforehand. Of a snail. And it is. He's the one in the know. That's true. And my notes are verbose. I will just have you know, fair listeners. Besides, he brings his destiny with him. And you're currently assistant directing on Henderson and Havner, correct? Oh yes, yes. Um, that has been quite the interesting journey. <laughs> I'm jealous of his directing of Mr. Anderson. <laughs> or Dr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where um, I took over George's job and you took over my job and George took over your job. <laughs> so, the merry-go-round. Oh, right. Uh, just a big old job swap. What's it like going from uh, Shakespeare to kind of more slapstick comedy or wacky comedy it's different <laughs> yeah plus all of the short scenes in one way it's easier in another way it's harder because it's different and, and I'm having to make sure that things sound funny that, that, that is its own challenge the kiss be denied 
then she puts you to entreaty. Speaking of funny. No matter. <laughs> <laughs> Who could be out being before his beloved mistress? Marry that should you if I were your mistress. Or I should think my honesty ranker than my wit. What, of my suit? Not out of your apparel, and yet out of your suit. I think I've I lost which line we're on here. <laughs> I take some joy to say you are, because I would be talking of her. Line 36. Well, in her okay, here uh, we go. I feel like I this is a good this is a good in mine own point into interject and talk about no, the location of this scene. Because it's an interesting location that proved quite challenging, I think, to put together. Yes, all of the uh, fishing was a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> There's supposed to be some fish flopping on the dock when he reel after he reels them in and stuff. I don't know if it quite came across, but <laughs> this is actually um, in the script listed as Jacques' watering hole. And um, Jacques what? Jacques' watering hole or uh, fishing hole? Excuse me, not watering hole. Um, and uh, it has also appeared in an earlier scene in Act Two, where he sang the duet with Amyan. Um, and there's also a third scene uh, later on at the same location. Now, I will be a Rosalind in a more... I wish I had my own fishing hole. And ask me what you <laughs> will. be a great place to just go and relax. Then It'd be fun. Rosalind. Yes, faith will I. But I just like the idea of it for a, a big forest like this, you know, maybe since he's so uptight that he has his own place that he just goes and gets away. Yeah. I hope so. thing. And you've got these Sister, terrible, confused couples coming along and ruin the atmosphere. Your hand, Orlando. <laughs> what do you say, sister? Yeah, they would get old fast. Pray <laughs> I cannot see the words. You must begin. Will you, Orlando? Rosalind playing Ganymede playing Rosalind. That is weird. <laughs> <laughs> really, it is, and it, it was hard to get in the script right. Now. As fast as she can marry us. I love it. <laughs> must say, I take thee, Rosalind, for it's it's a difficult one to convey in, in uh, audio though. I think it's a lot easier when you can just see them on stage. I do take thee, Orlando, and do some visual disguises. There's a girl going True. before the priest, and certainly a woman's thought runs before her actions. So do all Occasionally I chose a line where uh, tell me how long she seemed more like Rosalind just to Forever and a day. It actually is interesting that way because in, uh, or usually on the stage, they don't change the voice. They just change the costume. That's how uh, Kenneth Branagh does it in his movies and stuff. So, But you can't really not change the voice in audio and have it come across right. <laughs> right. It makes no sense if you don't yeah. change the voice in audio. I will weep for nothing like yes, it's difficult for an audience to keep up, though. If you change the voice too much and she sounds completely different, they're going to be like, well, who's this new character? It has to be close enough. <laughs> yeah. But will my Rosalind do so? I mean, I think we should really question Orlando's commitment to Rosalind here if he can't recognize her. I have an assumption that maybe he actually knows it is Rosalind. 
stop that. It's just playing along. Which is kind of which is kind of my assumption with uh, Viola in Twelfth Night. Also, I feel like maybe Shakespeare in in his attempts to be funny, he he thought it would be funny if the people actually knew it and were in on in on the joke a little bit, maybe. I um well, I wholeheartedly heartily agree with that. I think um it, it's like definitely like for these I think that he wants to get the audience to to feel in a position of power, right? Um, like almost in on the joke or something. Almost. And who knows? Maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much. <laughs> That's the great thing with these plays is that they were written so long ago and there's you know, so much so little written um, about them from the time that you can kind of be more free in interpretation. True. I, sweet Rosalind. Um, so there was a little blip there where um, Orlando slung a big sack of fish over his shoulder um, to take to the dinner. Even though he only caught two. <laughs> Even though he only caught two, yes. <laughs> He's just stealing other people's fish at this point. <laughs> Look, he caught two really big fish. <laughs> they were huge. He's just got one over each shoulder. They were catfish or something. I'm just confused. Like, what's he going to do with the fish in the next scene? That's a good point. Hmm. I mean, that's... Wow, we could have made the next scene so much funnier if we just let him fight with the fish. <laughs> I really like this part. An opportunity <laughs> this. Do you know what a doublet and hose is? <laughs> um, I know, but I'd have to look it up again. It's like a jacket. What's hoses? It is a piece of clothing, I just don't remember exactly. I think hose is another word for trousers. I don't know. I'm gonna silently Google it and appear like an I think you're on the right track there. I think. Yeah. Hose is kind of. Which, uh, by the way, we have uh, Olivia Steele here as Celia. Who, uh, in a second, gets like a really cool part. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's actually not in the original script. I, I put that in there. Um, just because I kind of wanted to show that Celia as a character is changing in this act. And she's irritated. And scene two, which I also directed. Sir? Ah, yes. It's hard to find sound effects for shooting a bow like that. I think that was a combination of like five sound effects or something like that. Yeah, a lot of work to do is kind of putting sound effects. Oh, including two of my... With my mouth. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so right here we have uh, Dragon X Blink as the Forester singing this song. 
And we also had uh, Ginny Dean here as the second lady. Ah, uh, here comes scene three. What is this? Oliver! A scene that is entirely not in the original script at all. Um, I completely came up with this. <laughs> this is all referenced in the later scene, and so it, it seemed like the right thing to put in. I'm glad it's in there. <laughs> I feel like the, the rule of fantasy play is that if you have a dragon, the dragon must be slain. <laughs> I like it. Orlando. Brother, let us bind And if you couldn't tell, there was a snake earlier in the scene. That, uh... Yeah, the snake... Getting a like, snake slithering sound is super difficult. Yeah, it's like... So I, <laughs> I cheated a little bit and made it a rattlesnake, so you can kind of <laughs> tell a little bit. <laughs> I believe I scored that one mostly, but uh, the rest was all George and the actors. Well, it was very good. Bravo. Yeah, it was, um, it was a pain. <laughs> and this scene was a lot calmer. As I guess by the this letter was mentioned in the last act. Oh, yes! Yes, yes. I didn't realize it was actually written by her. By Phoebe. <laughs> when I was listening to this. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that are set up and referenced in uh, previous acts. And then they have the payoff later. Um, this is a pretty good one. She calls me proud. And that she could not love me were man as rare as Felix. I believed Rosalind. Phoebe is the only character in this play who kind of gets a bittersweet ending. I protest. Um, I know not the content. And so I think this scene sets up a little bit of why. She doesn't come out well. Well, it's kind of like she, she comes out well, but she doesn't get what she wanted. Yeah. She has a housewife's hand. So it's it, it's one of those numbers. She never did invent this letter. This is a man's invention and his hand. Sure, it is hers. Why? Which, uh, by the way, we have uh, Matt Chipperly here again. Challenges. Why she defies me like as Sylvius. Women's gentle brain could not drop forth such giant rude inventions. He feels like a quite a browbeating character as well. Will you hear the Maybe a little bit, yeah. I, I would have never uh, never considered that, but yeah. It's always interesting because you have you have these two essentially princesses coming into the to coming into their forest, disrupting everything. Why 
No, no one complains. <laughs> I wonder why Rosalind hasn't gone to see her father. <laughs> or I think she it, she mentioned that she saw him, but she didn't tell him it was her. <laughs> Give away her disguise. Which doesn't yeah. exactly seem realistic, but... <laughs> Not really. Um, in one way, like, you would think that they would go to him first. But... I don't know, maybe this whole love thing got the better of her, and she didn't really care. <laughs> it's less of an interesting play. Will the faithful offer take off me and all that I can make, or else... By him my love deny and I'll study how to die. This is a great oh, reading. It's a bit mean. That's a great reading. Wilt thou love such a woman? What, to make thee an instrument and play full strains upon uh, her? Yeah, I feel so sorry. You can kind of get a feel there how Phoebe thinks. It's like, if she can't have her love, then she's just going to study how to die. <laughs> this is kind of typical melodrama, almost. But I do feel sorry for Sylvius in this, in this scene. Yeah, Shakespeare definitely wants us to feel sorry for him. I think he, in terms of the audience watching this play back in... Um, you know, 1600s, early 1600s. Um, they would probably relate most to Sylvius in terms of their status within the world. Definitely. It is an interesting garden. Our sympathy. No, he's definitely an interesting character. Um, he doesn't have as much development as some of the other characters, but... There's a there's a certain depth to him because of exactly what you said. Mm. He's the everyman. Um, here we have Ted Winskus as Oliver, and he's not so mean now. It's almost he's like Oliver. Something happened to him, like he was banished or something. Almost like he almost died. Yeah. Wow. I pray you tell it. When last Apparently, people still can't change. He left a promise to return again. <laughs> I, re I really like. I think the um, the changing characters is a really nice payoff because you see you see these characters quite heavily featured in the first act, and then you don't really see them again until much later when they they have undergone a transformation. It's, um, it's nice for the audience to get to know them again in a, in a different guise. Right. And you can totally see how this guy is someone that Celia falls for. Yeah. Or tis the royal disposition of that beast to prey on nothing that doth seem as dead. I like your choice of music here. Orlando did approach the man and found it was... Well, I'm trying to kind of... I think Oliver's really, really selling what Orlando's done as, like, a great, brave act. Which it is. He does a really good job of it. So I kind of wanted to put, like, adventure well, he might so do. brave music underneath to, to go with that tone. 
It definitely works very well. I like it. Twice did he turn his back and purpose so. But kindness, nobler ever than revenge, and nature, stronger than his just occasion, made him give battle to the dragoness, who quickly fell before him. <laughs> Which, hurtling from miserable slumber, I awaked. Are you his brother? So in the original, he uh, is actually talking about a lion. Yes. But tis um, not I. And so, it would have had the same kind of, you know, kind of outlandish fancy element in Shakespeare's Britain as a dragon. So I think kind of transposing the two is a really nice touch. Right, it was a very, very easy, uh, very, very easy switch. He led me to the gentle duke, who gave me fresh array and entertainment, committing me unto my brother's love. Who led me instantly unto his cave, there stripped himself, and here upon his arm, the dragoness had torn some flesh away, which all this It's amazing how much time has passed between <laughs> I think his describing of the scene takes longer than this, how the scene played out. Yeah, it's true. Strong at heart, he sent me hither, stranger as I am, to tell this story that you might excuse. He's definitely embellishing it a little bit. Which, if we didn't mention it in, it in the commentary, Landon added his take on the description by adding in an extra scene, I guess. Uh, yes, the uh, the whole scene where he slays the dragon is uh, not in the original script. So I went ahead and uh, just scripted that together. Um, some adaptations will do it. They'll try and maybe like show a little blip section where... Uh, Oliver is attacked by the lion, but uh, you know we don't have the visuals, so <laughs> we we had to improvise a little bit. I think it is is bringing up speed with a modern audience as much as anything. You know those scenes weren't included because that would have been impossible. Right. I don't think it's raised too far. Think of it as a... And it also offers context to uh, what Oliver is saying here, because like uh, Swindon, you said, it's uh, what he's saying actually takes longer than the whole scene itself. Uh, so you you, you kind of get a, an idea of everything in Shakespeare is more verbose and grand. Mm. He is super bad at exposition. I pray you commend my counter. Yeah, <laughs> like a, a lot of it would just be like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and it's told in like brilliant, expansive language, but yeah, not the best. <laughs> if Shakespeare wrote a Hollywood screenplay, he would be laughed out of the room. Oh, absolutely. Which, in a way, is a compliment. Show don't tell, shaky. <laughs> in a way, that's a compliment, but you know, a wild Bill variety show. It's just the truth. As you like it. Act four. Featuring the voice talents of Alexandra Elroy as Rosalind. I can't believe we're at the end. As Orlando. That was quick. Olivia we have yes. one more episode after Edwin this. Is that correct? Christopher Gilstrap as Jacques. One more. Matt yeah, we Act Five. We're not splitting it. Sorry. No, um, I think it works better not splitting that one, just because of everything mm. that happens in it. So. You want a nice, busy finale. 
Oh, it is busy. It is very busy. Music by Stephen O'Brien. There's like at least a dozen characters in it. Pendants Productions. This production is copyright 2017. Pendant Productions. For more information, visit pendantaudio.com. See you all next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Peace.